Hey, welcome back to that 70s card show. My name is John Keating, and I thank you for joining me as I take a look back at the cards and the culture of the very colorful 1970s. We'll revisit a more simple time in our hobby by taking a deep dive into the sets and the stats with a generous amount of dad facts sprinkled in. That 70s card show is currently sponsored by nobody. If you have a comment or suggestion, I urge you to drop me a line at that 70s card show at gmail.com, 70s card on Twitter, or that 70s card show on the YouTube. Uh, this is on YouTube, this is on podcast, and this is uh, awesome because this is episode number 77 in my series of chatting with some. Uh, incredible collectors that I admire and uh, appreciate and wanting to get to know them more and asking them to take a look at a set that they want to look at from the 1970s. So here on episode 77, we're going to bring in uh, the Yinzer, uh, Dean Gearhart. Uh, yeah, I collect it all on YouTube. Hey, Dean, how are you? Good. How are you, John? Good. You're from the west coast of uh, Pittsburgh. Has the sun come up over there yet? Yeah, no, not quite yet. It's dreary <laughs> as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been to Pittsburgh a bunch. I love Pittsburgh. I love the people. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, collectors in Pittsburgh. And there's a lot that you've got to know via um, YouTube and stuff like that, Dean. So um, yeah. it's it's really a hotbed of collecting and of sports history. So let's talk a little bit about how you started in this whole um this whole game of collecting what what was your first uh, collecting recollection well it was in 1977 uh my uncle had uh bought me i think he bought me a whole box of cards he already opened them and he had them yeah. stacked up on the kitchen table up at my grandpa's farm and uh he put all the pirates on top and I may or may not have been collecting other cards before that. That that's a little fuzzy, right? But um, but he influenced me on that, and he did the same thing the next year too with 1978. He, he opened them all, had them all, you know, with the pirates on top, right? And uh, that's that, and with my mom's influence, uh, just the, the collecting bug. But even before that, I've always been a collector when I was. A little kid, I collected farm animals because I always wanted to be a farmer. Not and, real live ones. I hope they're plastic ones. Yeah, the plastic ones. Okay. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> and I still have those. So okay, um, I think I have the collecting gene. I really do think that that's embedded in in some, us collectors. You know, uh, it's definitely not for everybody. People look at us like we're crazy, like we're hoarders. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Because uh, you know, for people of our age to be this far into it you know it isn't a it's not something we're dabbling in there's definitely some sort of crossed wire in our head uh to get us where we are today yeah. uh and pittsburgh like i said uh, was baseball your primary uh sport to collect because pittsburgh in the in the, in the time you talk about the, the pirates were good but yes. they weren't quite, quite breaking through at that point. I mean, they were great in the early 70s. They were great at the end of the 70s, but kind of in the middle there, they were struggling to get past the Phillies. Um, uh, was it baseball? Was it Pirates or were the Steelers? Because obviously the Steelers were the king of the football world back then. Whatever was on the counter at our local little convenience store was what okay. I bought. So if it was football season, that's what I bought. All right, I got Hockey, you. Basketball. Now, let's talk about basketball real quick. Get this out of the way. 
what does a kid from Pittsburgh root for in the basketball realm? You had to pick a team or did you, what was your, what was your goal there? In all honesty, John, uh, I love the Pittsburgh teams, a big fan of them. But back then when I was buying the cards, it was just about buying the cards. It wasn't, I didn't know any players and definitely basketball. I certainly didn't. My family, my uncle, my grandfather, the influences I had in collecting didn't follow basketball. I was just drawn to that, especially that year. They were the big ones, the wide ones. Uh, and I was just drawn to whatever was on the counter. That's what I bought. All right. So we're going to fast forward to present day. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, Dean's got a bunch of binders behind him. Dean is, uh, like I said in my intro, he's had a huge influence on me watching watching your channel. Dean, I, I've learned to embrace uh, other aspects of collecting. Now, one thing that I, I cannot copy you on is your uh, – tendency to build sets over and over again you have uh you you build multiple sets of the same set right when when do you stop there like why do you do that and when when do you stop when's enough enough well it started out i would just build the set i would be done with it uh and and i probably i wouldn't even go back and upgrade anything i kind of went for that card was the permanent card right well then I had doubles and triples and stuff. And I'm like, I'm looking around, what am I going to do with these? And I got to generate some funds. So I'm like, well, I'll take them to the flea market and sell. Cause I've had experience doing that right. uh, at the flea market. So I took them and people weren't buying those, but they were buying the other stuff. So I'm like, well, I might as well build another set. Cause I only need like 10, 12 cards to finish it. So I'm like, you know, that's what I would do. <laughs> and then I would, I would buy a collection and there would be more of those in there. So like, oh, I might as well do another one. Right. Meanwhile, I still have, I have separate cards that I take to sell. Right. Just to generate funds to buy more. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing is you're, you are a five tool hunter. You, uh, I don't know about your online activity, but I know you sell and you buy at flea markets. You're always at your LCS. You go to card shows. Uh, what is your, I guess you, I guess it's, you know, there is no favorite, but what is your favorite way to, to hunt for cards? Cause you, you do it all. I, I love going to card shows, uh, and flea markets. Okay. Do you get frustrated at flea markets at, at the one out of every X amount of stalls that actually have cards or do you, are you honed in enough to know where to go, when to go and all that? I go with no set expectations. I don't even take a lot of money with me. And then if I stumble upon something, then you know, I run to the Mac machine or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You just identified yourself as an old man because uh, I yeah. thought I was the only person to use the term Mac machine. <laughs> yeah. People say Mac machine and people think I'm talking about macaroni and cheese, but I'm talking about an ATM, man. That's that's some funny yeah. stuff right there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you you do collect it all. Let's talk about the sports. I mean, you you go way back you're actively collecting essentially, uh, as far as I know, uh, every Bowman set and every top set there are, uh, that are out there. And I'm sure even the modern day ones, what, what do you focus on more? Do you think, um, in baseball? Uh, the vintage, I'm real heavy on the vintage. Yeah. Because the the modern stuff will be there, you know, and a lot of the modern stuff I do buy, I try to buy it on the cheap. I don't buy packs. Sure. Yeah. I have a hard time, I have a 
ton of ninety stuff in early two thousands, but like there's a a spot there between twenty oh five and twenty fifteen where I'm having a hard time buying cards in bulk uh, for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know whether people are still holding on to them or what, but uh, that's been a, a tough thing for me to try to, to try to build up those ten years in there. I, I been... believe we have to wait those people out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love your strategy, man. We're like a—it's like a hostage negotiation situation here. We just have to let them—we have to let the situation play out, right? Yeah. So football, uh, you know, would you, I, I would assume baseball is your number one collecting sport, but uh, same in football. And you're—you're you're a big hockey town. Is there a lot of hockey going on uh, in your collection? That's the least amount of cards I have. I love the vintage, the you know, look of the old cards. Right. Um, but collections I bought recently have had the, the 80s and 90s in them. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't, I've never went to the card show looking for hockey cards. Yeah, it's, that pro set and upper deck hockey, it's just, there's a lot of it. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my goal is, though, to get all the upper deck sets at least. Okay. So. Yeah, I have probably about five or six thousand hockey cards uh singles so you know they're there but like you i don't seek them out if they're part of a collection and i'll uh i'll definitely absorb them but it's uh, i'm surprised uh that or maybe i'm not surprised but pittsburgh is a big hockey town you guys have a great history most people i know from pittsburgh don't collect hockey cards though which is interesting uh hockey's such a niche thing anyway i guess uh, yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about the other stuff the non-sports stuff uh you have a lot of that and is that something you know you talked about your your plastic farm animals is that something as well in the in the 70s that you started buying packs of because there was a lot of tv stuff out there right yeah charlie's angels uh star wars was big right. uh, like I, like i said anything that was on that counter you know we go to the place was called stop and go just a little okay. convenience store um and anything that was on the counter, I was allowed to get a pack. My sister would get a candy bar or something. I'd get a pack of cards. And so. you kept them all, right? You were smart enough to keep them all, did, or did you have to rebuild I, this at a certain point? Some of them, I, some of them, I don't know where they went. I don't know what happened to my <laughs> Charlie's Angels cards, which is weird because I pretty much kept everything. Um, and you're saying just the Charlie's Angels cards are missing? I I think that uh, that's not a surprise. <laughs> now the Star Wars too. I've had to go yeah. back and, and buy some. Right. Um, I'm actually building those sets again. You know. Is that, that the I'm... biggest? Is that the biggest uh, non-sport set from the '70s? I guess the Star Wars, the early Star Wars stuff, the first two movies. I guess or just the first movie. I suppose, right? The well, the the first movie. I, I think it had like five series in okay. it. The different colors starting, and that's the king of the hill for the seventies. We think the the top of the heap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of. uh, It didn't seem like non sports. um, I don't know about the eighties, but I know there was ET stuff and and um, and Gremlins and stuff like that. But it doesn't seem like there was a big whopper other than those Star Wars for a very long time. Um, Return of the Jedi was in the eighties. They had two series, eighty one, I guess, right, or something like that. Uh, somewhere 81 82 yeah so uh what are you looking at in that avenue these days are you you going back and trying to get more of that 70 stuff you trying to stay current with non-sports because there's a ton of non-sports available right now um, or is it still vintage stuff for you it's more more of an opportunity 
if the okay. opportunity strikes. I don't openly, I'm not going to the card show specifically to buy the Star Wars cards I need right. or Charlie's Angels. It's more of if I find them and or if it's part of a collection, I'll buy them. Now, do you look at the uh, trading card game stuff at all? Uh, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, you don't uh, no. bring any of that on, right? It's just nope. you don't have the stomach for that. So no. how many complete sets do you think you have, Dean? Uh, well, in baseball, I have oh, – it's over 100 sets. I mean, I have every, I have every set complete from 1970 up through last year, and then I have – like three or four from the sixties and I have two from the fifties complete. What do you have complete from the fifties? Is one of them a Bowman? Cause I know you work on Bowman a lot. No, it's actually 53 tops okay. and 56 tops. Wow. Those are probably two of the most popular. Well, I shouldn't say that cause you have 52 and all that stuff, but 53 and 53 is my favorite top set. So, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm honing in on that myself, but, uh, how long ago did you finish that one? Because that's got some whoppers in it. I bought I bought the mantle, the fifty three, uh, two years ago. It is okay. two or three years ago now. Yeah. Hopefully, it was three, or maybe was it at the peak? It was, it was pre pandemic. Okay. It, was, <laughs> was it, was, it wasn't pre pandemic, but it wasn't like it wasn't at the top of the wave. It right? Wasn't at the top of the wave by yeah. any means. And that was your last one for that set. Yes, and I, so I planned it that way. You planned it that way. See. I'm working on my 58, and I just bought the 58 uh, Mantle. Uh, I have the regular 58 Mantle, but the 58 Mantle All-Star because I didn't want to pay. I didn't want that to be the impulse buy at the end, right? It, I, hopefully yeah. it's it's some some schmuck uh, for the last card that I don't I, that I had to pay six bucks instead of four instead of 300 instead of 150, you know? <laughs> so uh, football cards, have you uh, – 50s, 60s, you're into that too because those are gorgeous cards. Um, yes. Uh, is that something that – you did a, a thing a while back, and I don't know the numbers, but you went by percentage of cards you have per yeah. decade or whatever. Uh, that that was – I found that fascinating. Um, yeah. How are you doing on the 50s and 60s football? Is that – you know, I know you're – you have – you have – you're like an octopus, I'm sure, and each has an eyeball on <laughs> the end, and you're looking out at all times, but uh, – how are you doing on 50s and 60s football? Well, the fifth, I have the uh, 56 set complete tops. Um, yeah. Not in high grade or anything, just, right. you know. Um, and I'm real close on the 59. And then I do have the 60 set complete. And then yeah. I'm and then I'm like, I need Hall of Famers. Right. And real picky on, on 60s football. I'm trying to do that near mint. Or yeah. Near mint, you know. I was going to ask you about that because I'm not as condition sensitive as some people, but you know, I'd rather complete a set and then maybe go back if I had to. But it sounds to me like you've separated that in your brain. The fifties, you're okay at first completing the sets, but the sixties, you're going to, you're going to do one, you know, you're going to do one at a time and more methodically. Is is that yeah. something you wrestle with or why did you divide it that way? Just because of what you found out in the field condition wise? The fifties, uh, you get up in those higher grades. It's just too expensive. Uh, I'll yeah. never be able to finish it like that. Now, my fifty-six top baseball set. I'm I'm very proud of that because I think it's X to near mint. Okay, because I did I do have to upgrade the mantle and the Clementi, but right. everything else I bought, you know, in my mind, 
to be near mint or as close to as possible. Do you now, grade, what, grade your cards at all? I when I when I got back into the hobby full steam, I started buying them in sevens. Okay. And then wow. it got to be too expensive. So I do yeah. have about 30, 30 or 40 of them graded. And then any of the big stars I I did buy graded. Yeah. Well, it's safer that way, right? Because yeah. especially with the different size cards back then, 56, you get, you could have, it's easier to trim cards or buy trimmed cards from pre-57 uh, and get, yeah. get a little burned on that. Now, the football cards, the reason why I have to have them as perfect as possible is because I just don't think they look right if they're messed up. It's okay. just something, in, like you said, something in my brain. Right. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, <laughs> they've got to be they got to be perfect. Well, yeah. you know why? Because truth be told, the, the football cards were better looking back then. I think they're more, uh, yeah. if there's something wrong with them, it's more obvious, uh, I think, because they're, they're so beautiful. Uh, yeah. base, baseball cards i think we lowered our standards a little bit on baseball cards but the football cards are absolutely gorgeous when when was your break you said you had a little bit of a break there in your collecting when what do you what wow. was your dark period it's funny you you mentioned that because i was listening to the uh the podcast with you and mike moynihan and he's it's, one of you mentioned about we never really quit collecting that was him right Okay. Yeah. We just kind of take a break. So I did take a 20 year break from cards, Okay. but from, from the time I graduated high school, that was the last year I'd actively built sets, which, which would have been 1988. Okay. Uh, I did buy a couple cards here and there in the nineties, not nothing major, but I got back into collecting my star Wars figures and toys. Okay. And I did that for that like 20 year hiatus. So I've really never quit collecting something. Right, right and, I got you. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I can. I always considered myself a, a dormant collector. I I didn't get rid of my stuff, and I looked. I I looked at my stuff all the time. You know, I looked at. I bought a bunch of. My last big push was in the late '90s, where I bought a bunch of slabs. I bought a bunch of Mickey's and Hanks and Yaz's and every. And I would look at them every three months or something. I'd take them. Never, but wouldn't buy stuff though. So. uh you know, what they they were not gone and they were not forgotten. It's just I didn't buy stuff um, for some reason. I kind of fell out of love with the sport of baseball. I think for a while. I don't know whether you had the same thing. Uh, most yeah. of, some of us will say like the strike around the strike era and stuff like that. Um, you guys in Pittsburgh had some good teams in the early '90s. So, right. um, yeah. Now, part of the lovable thing about Pittsburgh people is is you all admit that you have essentially a minor league team at this point is there any hope for the pirates or uh do you not care i care i i follow it um to be honest with you though in the, in the 90s when they were good they had my attention mm-hmm. but then as soon as like barry bonds left and benia and all that yep. and vance like it just kind of faded away and my mom would update me she was i got you i heard fan you yeah know? yeah and yeah. uh you know, it's it's hard to follow a team when they're just, you know, they're just not, they're not even trying. It's not the the players; it's the owners. They're not trying, right. in my mind. And, yeah, uh, they're running a beer delivery company, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, you know, sell beers in in seats. That's what a lot of the clubs do these days, unfortunately. Yeah. But but you guys have. Fortunately for you, you guys have a rich history in baseball, in particular, uh, football. 
you know, there wasn't a huge history in football. The team had been around a long time, but the 70s, not until the 70s, were they any good anytime. But baseball, you have so much to draw upon. Uh, who's the who's the greatest Pittsburgh uh, baseball player ever? Roberto Clemente. Okay. So yeah. he's your guy regardless. It's not Stargell. It's not Parker. Clemente is your number one guy. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I was born in 1970, so right. I had never seen the man play. It's right. just the stories, my uncle, my grandfathers, uh, they would talk about Clemente. Everybody, you know, right. has a story. So listen, I need you to be completely honest with me. Hook these, uh, I need you to hook the, um, the probes up to your nipples and I don't want you lying here <laughs> to me. Please tell me you missed three rivers a little bit. Oh, you yeah. guys have a, okay. You have a great ballpark. I get it. Probably one of the most beautiful ballparks in baseball, but you missed three rivers. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, where your memories were made, right? Yeah, baseball, uh, going to concerts, yeah. uh, you know, just the, right. coming out of the tunnel and, you know, bam, there it is. There know? it is. You know, I get a lot of I get a lot of heads turned when I talk about how great Veterans Stadium was. And oh. for most people, it was a dump, but it was my dump, and that's where – that's essentially what made my sporting – you know, my sporting backbone was was made in that stadium. I'm sure you feel the same way. I mean, Clemente played there uh, for three or four years. And, you know, like you said, the concerts and the football games and all that stuff. So right. here's a question that you may not have an answer for, because I've, I don't know why I've obsessed on this question for about two years. And uh, it's a question that you're going to get asked first. And maybe those from Pittsburgh that I ask next, like uh, maybe Don, uh, they'll have a little bit more time to prep. You've had zero time to prep, but please tell me with all the rich history, Pittsburgh has the great players. Who's the greatest Pittsburgh pirate pitcher? Cause I don't know that answer. Hmm. <laughs> it's a tough one, right? Yeah. I mean, there's many teams out there that have as long a history as the pirates and you can name, you can rattle off pitchers, but I've never, I don't know why I thought of that one day, but I have no idea who the greatest Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher is ever. So we can get back to that. Hopefully that won't ruin the rest of the show for you. But, or you can, you can wake up in the middle of the night and text me if you have to, if you find yeah. out the answer. So, so Clemente is your favorite. Yeah. Tell me your favorite baseball card that you have. And uh, cold, kung fu grip, death grip hands. What are they going to have to wrench out of your hands? Wow, that that that's also a, a tough tough one too. You have the Clemente rookie? I do not. Okay, but because you had the 56, I, I did, right? Yeah, I did not focus on the fifty five set because, to be honest with you, I don't let, like that set as much as I like the fifty six. Right. But uh, as I, long I, as we're confessing, I don't like either the fifty five or the fifty six Clementes because he yeah. made such great cards. Otherwise. Uh, those cards, I think, are a bit scandalous compared to his other cards. But, but uh, I get great cards, right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. Uh, I, to answer your question, I I don't have a favorite card. Oh, that's interesting. That's unusual for our hobby, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I stopped you twice, I, huh? Yeah, because I collect it all. You know, I right. You know. <laughs> so I'm I'm not going to ask you any more questions like that because I don't want you to just unplug and walk away so i apologize do you have the uh, c3po error card i do not okay there's another one dang it 
I really know how to bring our guests down here. So <laughs> we're going to, Dean, we're going to switch. And now that we know uh, when you started collecting, we're going to switch to our topic at hand here. Uh, tell us what set we're going to look at here. The 1977 Pops baseball. And that, as you uh, mentioned, that's the first time you recall buying cards, right? Uh, yes. Baseball yes. cards. Uh, 77 uh, wasn't, you know, the, all the 70s were great, but 77 was uh, a cool set because I think it's kind of the uh, opposite of like the 71 set, which is one of the most revered sets from the 70s, right? Because it's white instead of black. And we've right. had a lot of sets with white borders, but this one, uh, other than maybe 64, I can't think of a set that has more white um, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s than this one. Uh, right. A lot of white going on there. Um, a lot of uh, – there's some rookie cards in there, but uh, there aren't a lot of uh, high high dollar cards, obviously, especially in the late 70s. But uh, what do you t- – tell me some of the things you like about this set, the 77 Tops. Well, one thing, it is in a very affordable set if, you, if you're looking to start collecting in the 70s. Um, it, it's, it's a popular set in some ways. Uh, whenever, like it's when I started buying them and stuff, I've, uh, it led to friendships. Okay. And the, one, the one thing about cards is they always seem to lead to friendships. Right. right. And uh, we, uh, the kids around where I grew up, where I still live, I still live where I grew up. So uh, we all collected those. Um, yeah. And it's, and we still have a tie to them, right? We can, people of uh, our generation still have, we love the fifties and sixties sets and beyond, but these are, you know, as you say, you bought these from a pack. So it'll always have that anchor, uh, always be anchored to you. You can't separate that from your life. Right. Right. So uh, 660 cards. Let's talk about how we delivered this to the to the people. Uh, I'm sure you remember the wax packs. I don't remember many cello packs when I was a kid. Maybe it was out of my budget. Uh, rack packs, I remember seeing them. Um, 15 cents for 10 cards, I think it was. And that was the last time uh, it was 15 cents. I think they bumped it up to 20 cents the next year. But um, you remember any or all of these delivery f- systems here? I only remember wax packs from this year. Okay. Um, you know, researching this in the past, uh, I don't ever remember a time seeing the rack packs or the or the cellos. And my the store I bought them from had these in later years. Okay. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't uh, rack packs. Maybe it was just because you wouldn't see them on the counter, right? We would see wax boxes on counters and right behind counters, but rack packs would need to be held up or, or, you know, or by pegboard or something like that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, racks pack, wax packs, rack packs, cello packs, all that stuff. There were cases and bending boxes and all that nonsense. That's something obviously we didn't, uh, we didn't participate in, but, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the design now, like I said, white, um, Got a nice shot of Gaylord Perry there. The green, we saw a lot of green in the uh, 70s. You ever get sick of seeing that green, or are you okay with it? Because there was a lot of green ink back then. There was a lot of green. Uh, this, to me, this year is the easiest on the eyes, though. That's a good point. Like, 74 is brutal, right? Yes. <laughs> and 76, I guess, as well, right, the year before, because it's, yeah. it's like a dark ink on green. This is uh, There's a lot more... Yeah, so definitely easier on the eyes. It's a great point. I think they realize that because uh, 
I still struggle with 76 and I still struggle with 74 card reading the back, but these are easy on the eyes for sure. Uh, like I said, 660 cards. Uh, there are a lot of hall of famers on this thing, 54. And that includes all the, uh, you know, the record breaker cards, the league leader cards, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, rookies, 73 rookies. That seems like a lot out of 660 cards. That's over 10%. Um, but the thing is there weren't a lot of huge rookies, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, uh, checklists, bright orange on the front and that green on the back. And there you can see kind of the difficulty to read there in the back, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was hard, but that was confined just to the checklist. I think, uh, league leaders, um, Good times there, the normal stuff. Uh, turn back the clocks. Now, we got one of your guys there, Ralph Kiner. Uh, did that mean anything to you as a kid to see the Pirates on there, or was that just any old card? It, it, anytime it said Pirates, it, it would spark my interest. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure I've heard stories about him when I was sitting around the kitchen table at the farm. Right. Yeah, yeah. He could hit some homers, that's for sure. I guess that was just in the 50s, right? Was he on that 60 team, or he was not, right? No, he was not. No. He was gone by then. Uh, Nate Colbert, yeah, is my guy. And this was going back in five-year increments, I guess. Five, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years, and further on back. Uh, Maury Wills is in there for breaking the stolen base record, all that fun stuff. Uh, the brothers, let's talk a little bit about the brothers. I thought, uh, I had two brothers. I don't know what your situation was, but I thought this was kind of cool to think that two brothers could actually – going to the big leagues together uh, right and there had been brothers on cards before but uh this was kind of a fun uh little thing here that's that stuck out to me and uh, it's only one set of brothers on the same team and that's the Ruschel brothers but uh tops got that wrong they flipped yeah. the names i don't know whether you ever noticed that but yeah rick Ruschel is on the left and paul Ruschel's on the right but top screwed that up carlos may uh a fun thing about Carlos May was, if I'm getting this right, his birthday was May 5th. And do you ever hear this story where he used to wear number five? And on the uniforms, not the Yankees, but I think on the Chicago White Sox, even though I haven't seen any photos, he's the only ball player that would have his birthday on the back. It would say May for Carlos May and then five. So May 5th on the back of his card or back of his uh, uniform, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I so, never heard that one. Yeah, before. yeah, I haven't seen any pictures, but that's the that there's an urban legend out there that he's the only <laughs> baseball player to ever have his. It says May five on the back of his would say May five on the back of his uniform. I don't know whether that's true or not. Brett brothers uh, looking pretty raggedy there, and the Forsh brothers, of course, uh, big. They were a big deal in the seventies. I think the Forshes. Uh, yeah. They both threw no hitters, I think, or maybe I'm wrong, but uh, they could pitch and they could hit. That's for sure. Yeah. The rookies, right? Two big rookies in there. One's a Hall of Famer, uh, Andre Dawson, and one is not a Hall of Famer, Dale Murphy. How do you feel about that? Uh, Murphy belong in the Hall of Fame? Well, based on some of the recent picks, <laughs> I would say yes. You mean um, like the last week or two? Yeah, it's it's becoming <laughs> the Hall of Good. You yeah. know, and, and you've heard that expression before, yeah. I'm sure. That's a good point, man. Um, there's another rookie too. Yeah, Bruce, let us have it. Bruce Souter. Oh, Bruce Souter, you're right. Now, I boy, I botched that right. Now, Bruce Souter, yeah. how he differs from these guys, their rookie cards is what? That it's a solo card, right? Right, right. Yeah, which is different. I never I never liked uh, 
these four player cards for some reason or four player rookie cards. Uh, and another odd thing here is Dell Murphy is in the, he came in as a catcher. So he's in the catcher's uh, category here. Uh, Murphy would have another one the next year, I think too, right? Another yep. four player card. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was an outfielder. The, the outfielder. Yeah. He changed his uh, identity. Uh, uh, the fronts of the cards have uh, AL all-stars in uh, red banner on the bottom and all-stars on the blue banner. Now, Fidrich, this is Fidrich. There's a lot going on here, right? Mark Fidrich was the big deal in 76. So this is his yeah. first card. It's got the rookie cup, and he started, I think he started the All-Star game, which I attended in Philly in 1976. So there's a lot going on with the Fidrich card. Uh, obviously, he was a uh, kind of a cultural hero back then. Do you remember anything about Fidrich? Because I don't in real time. Uh, he didn't yeah. fascinate me that much, but. Just the, just the highlight highlights reels, and I and I think I seen them later in life. I don't think I seen it then. Right. Although we we would have watched the All Star game up in my grandfather's house. Okay. Was uh, this week in baseball around back then? I know it was big in the early eighties, but I not... think yeah, I don't think it started till the eighties. Were you like me? You got a lot of info from that show every Saturday because oh uh, yeah. yeah, that would be you know that was our our YouTube, Wikipedia, and Google all wrapped into one. You know, we yeah. would see everybody from around the league. And uh, you in particular, you guys were a little isolated there. The only, to- the only time you would see uh, American League teams is is uh, in the World Series, but that's a little bit before your time. And then after, you know, in 79, you, you got the O's. But, like, I could go to New York or Baltimore from where I was if I had to, you know, within right. two hours. You guys were kind of – I guess Cleveland's not that far away. But would you really drive to Cleveland to see the Indians back then? I doubt it, right? No, no. Yeah. I, I've never been to any other ballparks to see other games ever. Really? That's yeah, crazy, no, man. I've only ever been to Three Rivers and uh, our current – PNC, is that what it is? PNC, yeah. Yeah. I, I had to think up. for a second because <laughs> – the only, I know that because I'm helping pay for it because I have a PNC mortgage. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's Steve Garvey, who uh, you can cover your ears if you want, but I think he's the most overrated player of the 70s. I'm sick of hearing about Steve Garvey. But I brought him up there just to uh, just to show an NL All-Star card. My my friends and I thought he was a superstar. He was like, oh, that's a Garvey. We got to put that aside kind of thing. You know? Probably because Steve Garvey said he was a superstar. So <laughs> you, you believe that you guys bought it hook, line, and sinker. So uh, oh, a good player, obviously, but uh, uh, no. I, a little too a little too perfect for me, Dean, I think. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we ever saw any dirt on his uniform or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's my Steve Garvey rant. Forgive me. Pittsburgh Pirates team cards there. Um Pirates are in kind of their must. I guess they were still in their mustard yellows back then, right? They didn't yeah. change. When did they change to that whole? Uh, when did their lockers change to wardrobe uh, closets? Um, I, I want. I want to say everything changed in the eighties. Yeah, but, but in the state in the seventy nine World Series, they were wearing the hats with the stars and all the, that stuff, right? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. Uh, Will Willie's thing with the stars. Yeah. They did something good that game, or. They get a star. I think that's how that was. Like I think it. that these uniforms were the best, and these are how I remember Clemente uh, with those mustard yeah. caps. I know in the '60s they wore the vests and all that stuff, but uh, this is how I remember Clemente and how I, I I think the Pirates looked the best in those uniforms. But probably most people would probably disagree with me. I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, good good uniforms, man. Yeah. 
uh, championships, NL championship, AL championship are highlighted each in a card. Uh, the the Reds uh, swept the Phillies. The uh, Yankees and Royals would be one of many, uh, the first of many battle royales decided uh, deciding the AL champion. Um, I think, uh, I guess we'll get to the next card before I go deep here. World Series, uh, the Reds, 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 all about the Reds. Now, I think the Reds, I, I tell people all the time, the 76 Reds, which are uh, highlighted in these 77 cards here, I think that's the best offensive team ever. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't around for the 27 Yankees, but these guys led the league in every category except for stolen bases on offense, which is uh, pretty darn incredible, if you ask me. And they had some uh, decent pitching, I guess, too, but... Yeah. Uh, what was your first baseball game? Do you remember going to the to the Three Rivers the first time? Yeah, I'm trying to think though. It would have been. I know we went one time and it was sold out. Hmm. Me, my dad, my uncle, and my cousins. We were all set to go, and the girls went to the movies. We went. And it was sold out. <laughs> wow, it, man! They were playing the Mets, and it was like Hat Day or something. Hat Day giveaways, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. They, they actually crazy. sold that out, and oh, that would have probably been around 1980, 81. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of the last throws then, I guess, right? Uh, everybody was kind of on their way out at that point. And then yeah. you get a brief dark period, and then uh, before a little bit of a renaissance in the 80s, early, early 90s. But, the, but then again, it could have been 79, so right. it's fuzzy. you know. Either way, you didn't go, right? No, I'm sure, it's very I'm sure the movie was good. I don't yeah. know what movie they went to see. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about these guys, the record breakers. Uh, some three out of four Hall of Famers. Brett is in there again. Brett had a lot of cards in this set between his that, brother card, his leader cards, this card. Um, yeah, Manny I Minoso. Think, oh, I think I counted five. Brett, five, huh? count the team card. And there's somebody else that was on five different cards, too, and I can't think of who it was now. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can't be Yaz would have been on three, I guess. Uh, uh and then uh maybe Nolan Ryan, depending on his uh whatever his uh league leader stuff was, because he was always doing strikeouts, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's on a strikeout card with Carlton or Seaver, one of those two. Yeah, with Seaver. You remember Mini Minoso from back then? Because obviously we all know Mini Minoso now, but uh, I this, had no idea who this guy was. This card always in, intrigued me. <laughs> I could never understand why the, what what it you know what the record was. I didn't understand it then. Yeah, exactly. I, I do now. It's just some old man on a card, you know. Yeah, exactly, and, uh, <laughs> man. But what a great card, though, right? I mean, it's yeah. the Sox uniforms from the 70s. It's Comiskey Park in the back. And then, obviously, Minnie Minoso is now a uh, Hall of Famer. But, uh, yeah. yeah, what did it mean to us? It, you know, it was crazy. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think sometimes they did cater things to adults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People in here and there. But to the average seven- or eight-year-old, he wouldn't know what that meant. No. No, not at all. Jerry Morales is in there looking like a superstar with uh, most pinch hits in the season, right? Yeah. And uh, Nolan Ryan, record breaker. He seemed like he was always in record breaker cards. Uh, what's that, 300 or more strikeouts most seasons or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Probably broke his own record. I don't know. Uh, let's move on here. The uh, first time we ever see the Blue Jays and the Mariners, I don't know about you, but it I was completely unmoved by the Mariners or Blue Jays because it was happening in a different league uh, exactly. from where I was. Uh, no team cards. 
Uh, so what we have is the managers and the coaches, and they give a little nod there by saying uh, founded in 1976, uh, 77 would be the first season. One of these two teams, I don't know whether it was the Mariners or the Blue Jays or both, but they were, this went back to the days of the Seattle Pilots uh, moving. This was part of the agreement to allow the Pilots move from Milwaukee. There were lawsuits, all this crazy stuff. So this was kind of the culmination of that, um, which was weird. And then the American League would have two extra teams for a very long time. But again, uh, these they played in a vacuum for us NL fans we never even didn't even care about the mariners or the uh, blue jays back then did you have any recollection of either of these two teams coming into the league the only thing i noticed that the cards looked off right versus the other ones and yeah yeah and, and I didn't, uh, you know i wouldn't have understood why you know yeah a lot of airbrushing now i brought up steve hargan and tommy smith or uh technically the first two uh issued cards for the first card for each team and uh, they did a pretty good job with the uh blue jays one that's a lot of detail in that airbrushing there uh the mariners one varied by color and insignia but uh steve hargan looks like you, i'm going where next year you yeah. know he, had, he he looks like a deer in the headlights with that picture yeah. uh but yeah a lot of uh we thought the airbrushing days were kind of behind us but the 70s um you know, this was probably the last throw of really hardcore airbrushing, the 77 set, I think. Uh, calmed down for probably forever after that. I don't remember any heavy airbrushing until, you know, I guess the modern day uh, Panini cards or whatnot or the unlicensed stuff. Um, but uh, 70s, those guys at tops between the football cards and the expansion and traded and all that stuff, they were going crazy with their, uh, with their paint brushes for sure. Let's talk, speaking of airbrushing and 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 all that stuff. Reggie Jackson, the 77 Reggie Jackson card is probably one of the most debated cards in that set. Um, because most of us are convinced he's in a Orioles uniform in his Yankees card, or what do you think? Uh, yeah, it, it definitely looks that way. The, the hat especially is a telltale sign. Um, it, it just, it looks fake. Yeah, well, we we know that to be airbrushed, but there's also, I guess, a a printer's proof running around of uh, Reggie in an Orioles uniform. Yeah, uh, there's and there's seven, there's uh, different uh, steps to it too. I, I have a copy of that. Oh, do you? Of uh, the different uh, print versions okay. of it. Were there any? The one I'm looking at on screen right now has Yankees on top. Were there in a, in an Orioles uniform? Were any of them? In an Orioles uniform, uh, Orioles with an Orioles uniform, or are they all Yankees as the team uh, name? Do you know? You know, I, I I don't know where it is, or I would have pulled that out. But it was just a postcard that someone sent me. If you oh. got any of these kind of things, gotcha. and I held on to it, you know, right, right, yeah. I mean, he was only with the Orioles one year, and that was a, a kind of a, a he held out in spring training for more money, all that stuff, and didn't report until a week or two into the season. So his time there was brief, but uh, there's that picture floating around from, I guess, Oakland Coliseum with him posing and smiling in an Orioles uniform. Um, and there are no tops cards in theory with him in an Orioles uniform from what I gather or from right. back in the day. All right. So we're going to talk about, we talked about the uh, Ruschel brothers era, era, error. Uh, we're going to talk about this one here. Dave Collins is depicted as a Mariner. And uh, again, airbrushed 
Turns out it's Bob Jones who was with the Angels and Collins and Angels were uh, Collins and Jones were Angels teammates in 76. Um, this one perplexed me because I, I, I told you off air that I it looked nothing like Dave Collins looked like. Um, and then so the rumor is the Dave Collins card is Bob Jones. Now I have another card up there, a Mariners Dave Collins card, which is Dave Collins, but that's the OPT version. Right. Um, so, yeah. They say there aren't a lot of errors floating around, but there were some, uh, and this is probably the biggest one, along with the Ruschel brothers. Um, how about yeah. how about uh, OPG? Have you ever do you dive into OPG at all, or do you just stay south of the border? After watching a John Mangini video, he had a copy of the Gary Carter card. Okay, I never knew that the OPG cards. There were some different ones. Apparently, yep. there's quite a few different versions, and they focused heavily on Montreal and, I yes, guess, Toronto. Uh, Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but that's a set I want to pursue. Is it a four-player card, the, the OPG Gary Carter? No, it's a regular card. It's just a regular card, huh? And that's 76, I guess, huh? Or he, his rookie card would have been 76, or was it a, a later Gary Carter, a 77? or? It, well, it was put out in 77. Oh, okay. I got so, you. So the 76, I, I, I thought you were talking about 76 OPG, but so the 77 OPG, yeah, it was heavy on Mariners. It was heavy on Blue Jays, obviously, and I think it's about less than half the size of the regular issue. It's like uh, two, 260 or something yeah. like around there. So, so you did you get the Gary Carter, or are you diving into the set? What's your plan there? I'd like to, I'd like to pursue it. I haven't got anything from that. Gotcha. Just so that's a, that'll be a tough one, man. You'll you'll start at seventy seven, and you'll got have to decide which direction to go after that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. What about uh, another favorite oddball thing? Probably one of the, my favorite oddball sets from the seventies with the cloth stickers. Um, what's your what's your take on the seventy seven cloth stickers? Um, I, that's another set I would like to pursue. I, you don't I, have any of them yet? I don't have any of them. And I don't even know if they were – they weren't distributed everywhere. That was a test Probably set. Probably not. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. a test set. Yeah. Uh, I guess they weren't inserts, yeah, because we didn't get them. I never – I right. opened a lot of packs of 77, and I certainly didn't get any. So uh, I have two – I have a Yaz and a Ryan, and they're pretty cool. I mean, they're sure. they're, they're pretty neat, you know, uh, for sure. It's, you have to be careful because some people don't know what they have there, right, because they look like the regular issues, but they they look like they're a little off. Uh, right they look like like they're fuzzy yeah like bad printing you know but but they're they're good cards so i and i you know it's one of those things where how many of these kids open these things and peel them off and put them on their bike or put them on their books at school and all that stuff so it's another one of those i don't know how you feel about this but i'm fascinated that any card survived out of anybody's childhood and uh you're collecting cards at good grades that are 60 years old. I mean, it still baffles me. I mean, I don't know where these cards come from because I didn't certainly didn't treat my cards very well when I was a kid. You know, I have to think that some of these cards were just from, uh, stock unopened stuff, unopened stock. Yeah, and then it's yeah. worked its way into the, the collecting world. Yeah. Cause we all know about, how many millions and billions of cards that were thrown out over the years, right? And that was yeah. that certainly didn't start with our generation. It was the previous generation as well. So, uh, but that's one of the joys of the hunt is finding those cards because they're not supposed to be. 
they weren't supposed to last 100 years or 60 years or maybe even one year, right? They're made out of cardboard. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah, that's the glory of what we do, Dean, is getting that stuff. Now, what uh, what do you have behind you? You have a catcher's mask behind you and some mitts and all that stuff? Yeah, well, this is an old – It's the first. I think it's the first baseman's mitt. And I think it's from the – the guy told me it's either the 40s or the 50s. Oh, look at that, man. How cool is that? Yeah. And, uh, and then I have this, too. This is a – what's they call it a – a button back uh, and i think that's from the 40s and you ever walk around town with that in your back pocket yeah so that they know you're ready to go yeah <laughs> or i guess back then uh was the button pocket so they can clip it onto their belt or is that because they used to th- just leave them out in the outfield too in between innings didn't they yeah yeah i don't i don't know the rhyme or reason to any of them i just think they're cool so right. you're you do you have a lot of memorabilia because my thing is my excuse I should say is that it just takes up a lot of room. Um, do you have a limit on what you'll get because you got some gloves behind you? Where do you, you know do you have bats because bats take up a lot of room too? I, I I don't have any bats. The only thing I have is some catchers' uh, equipment, and I think it was probably from the '60s and it was probably like little league kind of stuff. Okay. It's not right. anything like that. Yeah. Uh, any of the stars or anybody would have wore Cooperstown's not knocking on your door for your stuff. No. And, and, and these things I'm paying, you know, next to nothing for, and I'm just finding yeah. them at the flea market. How many binders do you have? How many binders? Do you're I good have? with your numbers. You're, you're, you always got your stuff. You're very organized. You don't know I how count, many binders you have. I counted it one time. I think I have over 400. Oh my God. And there's different sizes or is it just the perspective I'm seeing? I'm seeing thick ones and thin ones. Uh, like these Up ones here, like yep. the, the big thick ones, those have the update or traded sets in them. Okay. All right. Uh, the smaller ones, if they're in a smaller one, it means I don't have it or they didn't. That's all they made that year. And I like what you did. I think you, you print out, what was the set you just uh, spoke about that? The it was, leaf, yeah, leaf it was numbered to whatever, but there was only like 40 or 50 cards in the set or something? Yeah, it's numbered to 150, and there's only 49 cards. That's that football, right? Yeah, football, 49 what, leaf. 49 leaf. Man, that's crazy. Did they have the same kind of print issues that the baseball had where you would see some bleeding as they stack the cards? Do you see that a lot? Yeah, yeah. And the variances in colors, I guess, too, right? Yes, there are. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, just getting back to seventy-seven, real quick, is that's one of the fascinating things about that set is that was, it's looked at as uh, clearer pictures and brighter pictures because there was a time when they were trying to deal with, uh, you know, fo- fo- photographing live baseball events. But uh, one of the things, the white border helps it, but one of the things is how clear the pictures were and stuff like that. There don't seem to be a lot of print issues with that set and all that, but um, maybe it's getting into the point where I just had a a show where we talked about perfection, where things were getting better and better in that aspect. Um, And then we take a step back in 1981 with kind of the Don Ross and Leaf uh, sets. They were kind of trashy. What did you think about that when I came along? I didn't buy those cards. Like uh, I Don didn't Rosen see Fleer. Yeah. the Don yeah. Don Flair. I didn't I didn't have access to them. Like my that little stop and go place I talked about only ever carried Topps products. Okay. Um, I don't know where 
where I would have, you know, I didn't even know you could buy a whole box of cards. Like they, they I don't <laughs> think they bought cases and cases of cards at this store. Right. Okay. They just, you know, a couple boxes a year. Yeah. We had Wawa's where we are. I don't know what you guys have out there, whether it's, uh, what do you guys have out there? Um, uh, we have a couple seven elevens. That's it. Huh? Left. Yeah. Wawa, you could get at the time you can get all the cards. Um, they had Fleer, they had Don Ross, they had Tops. And nowadays, uh, Tops have made their back their way back to Wawa. And Wawa is very particular about what they let in, but it's kind of kind of neat to see that every now and then because Wawa is kind of like they do a lot of research on what they don't want anything take, taking up space. And uh, okay, I don't know how they ended up back in the stores at the counters, but that's pretty cool because uh, like I said, Wawa is tough not to crack. When's the last time you bought uh, modern cards out of a pack? Have you have you uh, you actively doing that? Last year, I, I try to buy a pack or two or even a box and just put it aside and not open it. And so you buy your sets uh, in a factory variety now, I guess? Yes. And gotcha. then the update or traded set, I'll uh, hand collate it off of somebody on eBay. Gotcha. Okay. Thing, you know. Have you been able to come up with a great Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher? <sighs> nothing uh, so it's i mean i'm vindicated here dean because this is like i said for some reason i've wasted too much of my bandwidth over the last couple of years trying to think of that it's neat to know that uh, i'm not the only one that there's not an obvious answer for i mean i i could name some names but they were like great for the moment and then that was yeah harvey kind of haddocks with the 12 perfect innings i think it was yeah. bob um, friend is somebody i always think of for some reason i don't know why or you know obviously we grew up with candelaria and you had drayback and stuff like that but yeah you know, there's it's a long history of great pirates players wagner and trainer and the waners and and all that stuff and mazeroski and Stargell and clemente and kiner and but yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think if there's even a pitcher that was a Hall of Famer. Right. Yeah, it's Pirates. weird. And it's weird. Cool. How many championships do they have, the Pirates? Uh, seven, 79 and 60, seven. right? I think they have seven. seven. I think Imagine they were that. nine okay. altogether. Or, or I've got the numbers reversed. But they, I think they've lost two World Series. Okay. So oh. seven World Series, uh, one in our lifetime. And, and there's that whole, again, there's that whole history. How did it get there? Two in our lifetime, 71. And oh, 71. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I keep thinking of 60. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about 71. Um, yeah. But you and I don't remember that. But uh, no, no. They were, they were in it every year then, weren't they, man? What a. They were contenders every year for the playoffs, but you had the big red machine that, you know, it yeah. past that. Yeah. Prior to 69, you had to win it all in order to get to the World Series. There was no division. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there were some battles between the Cardinals and then and uh, the Pirates and uh, I guess the Reds later on in the 60s. So. And the Dodgers. Don't forget them, right? Right. Well, cool, Dean. I appreciate you coming out here uh, and chatting with me. Uh, I Again, I, have, uh, I love the way you collect. I love the way you show your stuff on uh, YouTube. I think it's uh, – I learn a lot from it. And, again, you've broadened my horizons. I've got a bunch of 50s and 60s uh, non-sports stuff now. And, you know, first yeah. instinct would be to sell that stuff. But thanks to people like you or you in particular, I now have a set of 57 top space cards and yeah. and the astronaut cards and all that stuff. So uh, Good stuff. Any, any last word for you, sir? No, this this was really fun. Um, I appreciate you inviting me on, and uh, you know, hope to 
get together again in the future and some other project. You, you going know. to Chicago this summer? I'm planning to. All right. Well, hopefully we'll see you then. And uh, I'll give you a little slap on the ass. How's that sound? As sure. you're rounding, th- as you're rounding third base and uh, <laughs> trying to land that 55 Clemente. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Let me read off here. I'll get rid of you and then stick around. We'll chat after I hit the off button. All right. Thanks again, man. So uh, anyway, thank you for joining me on my journey back in time. Uh, Again, if you have a comment or suggestion, drop me a line at that70scardshow at gmail.com, 70scard on Twitter, or that70scardshow on YouTube. Uh, Mango Safari is playing the music on the podcast and as usual, enjoy collecting and more importantly, enjoy your collection. Thanks.